Amen. Amen to your beautiful singing and your warm fellowship. It's a pleasure to be here tonight in your midst and to rejoice in our salvation. The sweet psalmist of Israel, the sweet psalmist of Israel, if you know who that is, said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so we are in his dynamic, beautiful, indescribable presence here tonight. And those of us who are Christians and have made our calling and election sure, find that to be very, very comfortable to know that there's no way, there's no place we can go to escape the searching eyes of God. He just knows. He just knows us inside and out. That's comfortable. But if you're here tonight and you're in doubt, oh, if you're not sure, then you want to get sure. You want to get sure. Because <clears throat> Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a dynamic, moving, thrilling, intimate relationship with a loving God. I just love the Christian life. It's, it's just so great to be a Christian. And if you're not sure, if you've never named the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're here tonight and you're at the age of accountability and you want to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can do that tonight. In a few minutes, there's going to be an invitation. Every night, there's going to be a very, very short, concise invitation. Not long. Really, really short. But I, I will, by God's power, bring every warm body that's here in this audience, myself, first of all, to the crossroad of decision. Didn't Jesus always do that? That's what I want to do. It's very simple. Uh, living the Christian life and being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's, we overcomplicate these things. We overcomplicate them in our stubbornness, our belligerency, our rebellion. But it's, it's really simple to be alive in Christ. It's miraculous, but yet so profound and yet just so simple. Because didn't Jesus tell us that the kingdom of heaven is like children. And so I, I don't need to ask you tonight whether you are struggling. Do I? Every one of us, as I, as I look over this audience, I don't believe that I'm preaching to a group of rebels because I'm, I'm not downtown Port-au-Prince or Beijing or Hong Kong or Harlem, New York. Uh, so, you know, I don't think this is a group of rebels, but I know if you are like me, we're all in a struggle. So we, we struggle in two different ways. Uh, some of us might be struggling. Okay, let me say it this way. First of all, I would hope by looking over the audience here this morning, looking tonight in your eyes, uh, that I, I'm, th this is the people, most of you are struggling in victory. Is the Christian life a struggle? Sure, it's a struggle. 
but we can struggle in victory. We have the dynamics. I mean, God opened up the windows of heaven. He showered, cascaded everything down upon us that we need in order to live victorious, dynamic, holy lives. But it's a struggle. Join the struggle. Go ahead. Get up. Move. Move out in your Christian life. Be dynamic. It's a struggle. Move. Do it anyhow. And then it could be. The possibility could exist that there's somebody here tonight that's struggling in defeat. So that means there's two classes of people here tonight. Those who are in defeat. Those who are struggling in victory. So if you, listen, get it really good. So, you know, no veneer. We're just going to get right down to the everlasting gospel. So if you're here tonight and you're struggling in defeat, do something about it. Don't make excuses for yourself and say, well, that's just how great-great-grandpa Stauffer was. That's how the foxes always were. Baloney. No. So if there's something, if there's an irritation, if there's a sin that you're trying to cuddle up and hide in your life, Tonight, this week, stop it. In the name of Jesus Christ, do whatever you got to do as often as you got to do it in order to come to the cross of Golgotha. Climb up that hill, hands and knees. Do everything that you need to do in order to reach the glorious destination of Golgotha in your life. No playing church. We're tired of that. It doesn't work. We're tired of the veneer, the polish, the hypocrisy. We're sick of it. Do it. Do whatever you got to do to be dynamic. That doesn't remove the struggle. It doesn't remove the temptation. But it gives us, I mean, it gives us everything heaven got to offer in order to live over and above. Those struggles and those defeats, those smothering things. All right? Okay? So, I'm really glad to be here tonight. Uh, I love to preach. Is that okay? Maybe you threw me out the window right there. Well, then threw me out the window. That's all right. I love to preach. There's nothing I'd rather do than talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to go deer hunting and it's good to farm peanuts. But you're not south. We're not in Georgia, are we? You don't do peanuts here. Or whatever. That's Okay? Uh, but I like, to talk, I like to talk about those things too, but I, I love to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. And preaching is very, very easy because we do not serve a moving target. Uh, everything that God says, everything that God does, everything that God thinks is equal to His nature. So how is God? Pure, holy, beautiful, just. And so His Word is only equal to His nature. And so God cannot move we call it the immutability of God. Uh, his word does not change because it is equal to the nature of God because God exists tonight in the highest state of perfection. Did you ever think it through? Shall I say it again? God exists tonight in the highest state of divine perfection. And everything he writes, everything he does, everything he thinks is only can only be equal to his nature. So the word of God never changes. So I didn't have to scratch my head and pull my hair out. There's not a lot more to pull out to decide what am I going to preach about because it's a moving target. You know, it's changing like technology. Oh, God, I wake up this morning. Hey, did the book of Ephesians change? Uh-uh. You know, it didn't need to. 
It could not change, cannot change, because when you have arrived at the highest state of perfection, you can't go any higher. It doesn't get any better. It needs no improvement. And God never descends. God never digresses. Neither can he improve, because he arrived. So that's what I'm going to preach about tonight. Not the newspaper. <laughs> Not a sales flyer. This is exciting. So all I'm going to do tonight is share the everlasting word of the Lord Jesus Christ, the everlasting gospel of salvation. And I'm not ashamed of it. I love to do it. And if you're here tonight and you're smothering yourself in sin, there's hypocrisy in your life, do something about it tonight. Now I can go home. Goodbye. I said it all. <laughs> Come on, get a grip. Now, I don't believe that I'm speaking to a group of rebels. I believe I'm speaking to a group of people who are just like this guy right here. That's how I know how to contend with you because I know what I've got to do in order to keep myself in dynamic freedom. Come on. So tonight I would like to spend a few minutes looking at the most powerful, the most prolific book, in my opinion, of the New Testament, the diesel engine of the New Testament. So that could be any book in your mind. That was not the everlasting gospel there. That's according to the way I might look at it. I invite your attention to the book of, which one? <laughs> Ephesians. <laughs> All right, let's go. Come on, get your Bibles. Open them. Open those Bibles up. Don't look at me because you'll, you'll not appreciate that. Looking at that too long. Ephesians chapter 2. This is beautiful. This is very, very powerful. We're going to let the Bible speak for itself because my IQ is rather low. And so I really struggle. I frustrate myself to try to understand everything that Paul is saying because it's so profound. I mean, we have these long, complex sentences. When you get to the end of the verse, there is not a period there, but there is a colon or a semicolon. And then, and then after several of those verses, there's a pill crow. There's probably not 10 people here tonight that knows what a pill crow is because for years I called it a glinker. <laughs> Do you know what a glinker is? It's called a pill crow. And maybe I'll explain what a pill crew is if I get time. Let's not lose time on that tonight. And so it's like a diesel engine. It's compressed. It has energy. It has power. And the reason why it has power is, is because it comes from God. So we're going to sort of maybe all week long, not much left to the week, is it? Hold Ephesians chapter 2 beneath the microscope. And we want to take this thing apart. We want to... We want to dissect it because it's, there's a lot of high-definition phrases. High-definition, energized phrases that Paul uses in order to describe the person of God, the will of God, and the Word of God. Okay, anybody halfway with me? Okay, so this is what Paul does. And he has a very, very unique way of doing it. And it's so blessed when we just, just bathe, just immerse ourselves in what Paul is saying in all the chapters of Ephesians. Now let me explain one more thing before we go any further. Because uh, there's something that I don't like to hear when preachers preach. When they say, here's what Paul or here's what Jesus is trying to say. Now, I use one word in there that's incorrect. Trying. 
Did you know that God tries to do nothing? Amen. He doesn't have to try. You know, when God wants to do something, he might calculate, but he just gets it done. He does exactly what he wants to do. And when it's finished, there's one emotion that God the Father up in heaven never experiences. That is the emotion of surprise. Did you ever think it through theologically? God's never surprised because even when he decides to do a certain thing or say a certain thing, he knows the outcome before he even did it. He knows exactly how it's going to perform. He knows what it's going to look like. He's, he knows how it's going to respond. And so when God did his word, this is exactly the way he wanted it to be. So never when you're preaching or teaching say, well, here's what Paul is trying to say. Mm-mm. They get it said. And so, when we read the Word of God, when we study the Word of God, we tend to go snowboarding or water skiing. Why do I say that? Skim over the surface. We tend to stay buoyant. We tend to float over the top. And when we read the Word of God, and uh, when, we try, when we analyze and read the Word of God, we, we got to look at every word... And just look at exactly what God is saying and what he wants to do for saying what he said. So this is how we want to look at Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to read maybe the first 10 verses. And then we're just sort of going to look at verse 2 and 3 tonight. And then maybe tomorrow night, 4, 5, and 6. And I don't know, maybe later on, 7 and 8, I'm not sure. And we might not even go there tomorrow night. I don't know. I'm not totally sure. We'll decide that when we, I guess, walk up to the pulpit. But I, I don't know. But I'm thinking maybe. So Ephesians chapter 2. Now, I noticed that you have the new King James. I think that's what you were reading out of. I, I have 14 or 15 different versions at home. I still have the old King James uh, so I, I tend to not read it verbatim. Not that the King James is not accurate doctrinally, although there are some mistakes in King James Version. Whether you want to hear that or not, you can throw me under the bus again. But the fact is, it's true. Whether you like that or not, sorry, the truth is the truth. So some... The New King James mops up a lot of those linguistical errors. Not doctrinal. Now wait. Don't throw me under yet. Give me a chance. Give me till Sunday night. You might start liking me or either hate me. <laughs> okay. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you hath he... Go ahead. And you hath he... Quickened, that means made alive. Do you like that? And Jesus hath, has made us alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. You've got to read those words real fast together. In time past, every warm body here tonight, sitting on these pews, we had our chance, our opportunity to walk according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, 
among whom also we all had our lifestyle, our conversation in times past, in the what? In the, go ahead. Lust of the flesh. That's a little weak, but you'll, you'll thaw out till Sunday night. We all had our lifestyle, our conversation in times past. Let me ask you, are those words true about your life here tonight? Your life. Don't measure yourself with the person sitting beside you. Can you say that these were these times were in my past and they're not anymore. I'm delivered. I'm redeemed. I'm set free. Think it through. Get it good. Answer for yourself and think deeply. Can I honestly say that these things in my life were in the past, the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, period. No. What did I leave out? The lust of the flesh and of the mind. Now let me explain something there. As I look over this audience, I don't believe there's one person here tonight that is committing physical adultery or fornication. But it says, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Read the next four words. And of the mind. Stay with me. The lust of the mind. Am I free from the lust of the mind? Or am I still obeying the prince of the power of the air? The temptations of Satan, the temptations of the demons in my mind. Now I know that we are Kuth Anabaptist church members of the highest degree. Members at Ebenezer Mennonite Church. I'm saying of the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, look at verse 4. Here we change. But God, who is, what's the next word? Rich in mercy. Oh, praise God. If you're here tonight and you're in the bottom, if you're here tonight and you're struggling, you feel smothered, sawed off, pounded down, hypocritical, whatever your personal situation might be, I want you to know. I want you to know tonight according to the power and energy and authenticity of the Word of God that God loves you and that He is merciful according to the... According... Um, it says, but God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love, wherein he loved us. So according to his mercy and his love, he wants you. God not only needs us, but he wants us. He has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world. How old is the world? How long is it since creation? Quickly. I'm too elementary. You're, you're, you're embarrassed. 
to answer. Okay, you're embarrassed to answer such a question. 6,000 years. So 6,000 years ago, before God even formed you in the, in the microscopic places of the womb of your mother, he knew everything that there's to know about you. It's called your DNA. And you know what DNA stands for. God knew all that. And he ordained a plan wherein he can reclaim you unto himself because he has chosen. We are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We're a separated, loved people that God not only wants, but God needs you and God wants you. This is good stuff. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he loved us. We'll talk about this later, maybe. Not tonight, another evening. When we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you tonight, and I want you to get this and get it really good. Can you honestly say your spiritual position tonight, is it in Christ Jesus? Are you sure? And I, I don't want you to doubt if you're sure. Don't let me put you on a guilt trip. Uh, the Holy Spirit's going to do that. I, I, I do not have the authority to do the work of the Holy Spirit. All I do is preach everlasting gospel. And that's really easy. Because you notice all I'm doing is telling you what the Bible says. I'm just one beggar telling other beggars where to go find bread. That's all I'm doing. So here he's saying that he raised us up. When we were dead, stinking, alienated, defiled, in such a polluted condition, God came looking for us and he picked us up in a horrible situation. Because of his love. Because of his amazing grace. He pursues us, and He wants us, and He needs us. He's waiting for us in His mercy. This is the everlasting gospel. This is the good news. Sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, do you like numbers and statistics? I bet I told you this 21 years ago, but a lot of you weren't here then. Half of the audience wasn't even born. But the phrase, in Christ Jesus, in the Pauline epistles, is mentioned 164 times. In Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. That is the theme. That is the theological theme of the everlasting gospel of the New Testament. In Christ Jesus. So I ask every warm body here tonight at the age of accountability, can you honestly say that your position is, your position of life and church life is in Christ Jesus. You are in relationship, a dynamic, loving, secure, I said secure, relationship with Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, sitting together in heavenly places. This is what God wants. This is why he went to extremes in order to find a divine sacrifice in heaven whereby the blood of the perfect lamb cannot, would not cover our sins as it did in the Old Testament, but it would remove them 
And though our sins were filthy and stinky and alienated us from the presence of God, the blood of Jesus Christ removes that sin. I tell you, the Christian life is so good. It's so exciting. We just have too many onshore, pounded down people in our churches. Sorry about that. You, you don't have that estimate to finish till Sunday night. But there's too many. And, you know, it's sort of unnecessary. Sort of unnecessary. When God provides all this, where are we? Why don't I respond? Why don't I get a grip and move out, jump in? Well, you can't wait. It, swim hard, dive in deep. That in the ages to come, verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are we saved through faith and not that of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of good works, which we have done lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. How many times does Paul say in Christ Jesus? Did you ever hear lately? Did, did anybody ever tell you? 164. Somebody's listening one time. <clears throat> Are you with me? So what I want to look at tonight is, if we're going to be dynamic in Jesus Christ, we've got to remove the slim, slim, the sin, <laughs> and the garbage, and the doubt, and the fear from our lives. That requires repentance. The Holy Spirit is not going to cohabitate wherever there is belligerent, willful, hidden sin. He's not, going to, he's not going to contaminate himself. But he provided a detergent wherein we can cleanse ourselves so that the Holy Spirit wants to come on in. You know, God in his plan of salvation, it's so thorough, it's so complete. God forgot nothing. That's bad English, nothing. It's just so great. So I want to go back here and just focus for a few minutes yet here on verses 2 and 3. Where in time past we walked according to the course of this world. So what do you think Paul is talking about? When he talked about walking according to the course of this world. I think he's talking about our love. I think he's talking about our affection. He's talking about priorities. So how do you, how do you prioritize your life? What is important to me tonight? Where is my love? You know, every one of us, every one of us here tonight, we are going to theologically pledge our allegiance to some power here in this world. It might be sports, it might be clothing, it might be your job, maybe you're maximizing on your job and you work 50, 60, 70 hours a week and it's just everything's about money. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's about sports, maybe it's about your body. I, I don't know what's important to you, but it really comes back to where is my love? Where is my love? He's talking about in time past, we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power, excuse me, 
of the air. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Those who are disobedient. People living in sin. Because they choose, stay with me, they choose to love something or make something, another issue in their life, more important to them than a dynamic, saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Could that be somebody here tonight? We're not talking about shooting your mother-in-law. I'm not talking about robbing banks or racing wild horses and mustangs. I'm not talking about those things that people out there do, the heathen do, smoking pot. And running cops. You don't do that because we're Anabaptists. But what about the allegiance of our love? Where is my love? What is it that turns my crank? Think of it. Let me show you something in John. Make that first John, please. Chapter 2. First John chapter 2. Here's what it is. Here's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 2, walking according to the prince of the power of the air. Here's what he means. Now this is John. This is Pastor John speaking here in 1 John 2, verse 15. Love not the world, period. Oh, thank you, God. I don't love the world. I'm so glad he put a period there. (laughs) Thank you. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Did I read that correctly? Of course not. Say no. Don't let me get away with that. Love not the world, neither, read it with me, the things that are in the world. Now what's in the world? How can we categorize sin? What type of sin... Do modest Anabaptists have a propensity to commit? You're saying, oh, now you're tramping on our toes. Well, of course I am. I said I'm not preaching in Port-au-Prince. Why would I preach to those people? Didn't you invite me to come here? So I'm I'm preaching to myself. Let me hasten, hastenly. That's not even a word, is it? Hastily. (laughs) Let me hastily say. I'm preaching to myself. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, read this with me, the love of the Father is not in him. Get it? So if there's any warm body here tonight, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how plain your plain suit is. And I'm I'm not against plain suits. Don't you take me wrong. I'm just saying I don't care how plain your plain suit is. If you have a love for anything in this world greater than what your love is for the Lord Jesus Christ, God, His love is not in you. Did I read that right? Oh, did I explain that right? Sure I did. If any man love the world, if any man love the world, The love of the Father is not in him. Did I read that correctly? Does God get said what he means to say? Does God mean what he says? You see, we tend to go surfing in our Christian life. And then we feel defeated. And we feel washed out. And we wonder why. 
Because we're two-timing. We're two-timing on God. Distractions are the priorities. And so I ask men, do you have your personal daily devotions in the morning? Well, I don't have time. That's a lie. That's a lie. Every man and every woman and every teenager has time to do every 24-hour cycle what they deem important for them to do. Then we why we wonder why we're failing and flailing and carnal. Or I wonder why I am wrong pronoun, right? Instead of saying you or I, sh- I should say me. Why do I feel empty? Why do I have to guess about my relationship with Jesus Christ? So many people I'm discovering in the last 10, 15 years no longer have the assurance of salvation. Why? Did God change? Let me show you something. Here John categorizes all committable sin into three P words. P, the letter P. Let's read it. Verse 16, are you there? For all that is in the world. For all that is in the world. Number one. Read it with me. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. Now it doesn't say adultery or fornication. It says the lust of the flesh. So how are we using our cell phone? This horrible Plague of pornography is horrible, is terrible. Number one, the lust of the flesh. Number two, and the read it with me, lust of the eyes. And number three, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away. And the lust thereof passes away, but he that does the will of God abideth, what? Forever. That's good stuff. So we have three things here. We have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh is passion. The lust of the eyes is possession. The pride of life is position. Those three sins. Those are the three basic sins with which the snake tempted even. You flip back 4,000 years to the coming of Jesus Christ when Lucifer, the same person, personified in himself, if that's correct English, came to Jesus Christ. Uh, there in Matthews at 3 or chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus Christ, it was these three classes of temptation. He, he tempted Jesus Christ with passion because Jesus fasted how many days? 40. 40. So every, every atomic cell in the body of Jesus Christ was crying out for food. 
passion. The other one was possession. Look, look, at, look at all the kingdoms of the world. Take them. Possession. And then position. Cast yourself down here. If you're, if, if you're the son of God. We, we'll, I'll bring my demons in, angels. We'll bury you up. Just put your position be, beneath mine and listen to what I'm asking you to do. Control. Passion. Possession and position. That's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 2. Where he talks about in time past we walked according to the temptations of this world. And every warm body here tonight, if you're really honest, these are the three areas where every one of us are struggling. See, now the passion thing maybe isn't so big for me anymore. Maybe it's possession. Oh, I'm 62 years old and I, it's time for me to, to get my new Honda minivan because i got to keep up with the Burke Colers and Hoovers and Foxes up in Lancaster County. Or maybe it's position. Oh, Reverend Fox, <laughs> Evangelist Fox. <laughs> These words in themselves sound like an abomination. Don't put those two words together again. You don't have to call me an evangelist. So let me show you something. What do we do about this? What is the solution? So is there somebody here tonight? Could, could there be one person here tonight that's not struggling in victory? You're struggling in defeat. I don't know. And I'm not up here calculating. I believe maybe it's her. Uh, no, I believe it's Henry Hoover back there with the white beard. No. This guy over here is acting. He can't make eye contact with me. I believe it's him. No, no, no. No, I'm not doing that. But the Holy Spirit is. Believe me. So if you feel uncomfortable tonight, if you're not sure, if your heart is in a state of turmoil, get up. Don't stay sitting during the invitation. Get up. Do business. Second Corinthians. Let me show you something real quickly. Seven. One verse. Verse one. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Are you there? Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us, what's the next word? Cleanse. cleanse. What, what do you think of? What, what do you do when you cleanse something? Wash it. Wash it. Scrub it. Like... My lovely wife is here tonight. I should have introduced her. Sorry, dear. Would you like to stand up and sing a solo at this time? Okay. She raised five boys. I like to play football in the mud. That's when it's fun to play football in the mud, eh? And grass stains, ladies. How do you get grass stains out of wranglers? Just a casual swoosh, 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 like on your Sunday suit, get that dandruff off. No. Cleanse. Get out the scrubbing brush, high pressure washer, 
detergent. Do whatever you got to do as often as you got to do it until the Christ stain is gone. What do we do that spiritually? What do we lollygag and try and cover up and act all religious? Or don't, you don't do that at this church. You, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Oh, you nice little angels. Go ahead, flutter your wings. <laughs> Having therefore these promises dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from, what's the next word? Go ahead. What is the next word? All together. Oh. There's a problem right there. We just do the big ones that the church might see or the deacon might discover. So who knows the most about my life? God or the deacon? Or my wife. Let us cleanse ourselves from all sins of the flesh and, hold on, we're not done yet, and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So what do you do when you perfect something? Perfect means to do what? <laughs> Bring it to the highest State of perfection possible. When you perfect, do any of you people, do you have mechanics here? Do you detail cars? You fix an engine? I know we got bakers here, and boy, can they bake good bread. The bread that we had tonight, Mildred, was almost as good as my wife's. That bread was baked to perfection. Thank you, Josh. Did you bake it? Bake it. We are, to be, we are to perfect holiness, and we perfect holiness by cleansing ourselves from all filthiness of the body. But nobody here tonight is living in fornication or adultery. We don't do that as church members. What about the spirit? What about attitudes? What about fighting? What about jealousy and competition? Preachers can't get along. Churches are splitting over. You're, you won't like me for this either. Sometimes they split over things about the things that God doesn't care about. We split, we argue because we say, well, we have different personalities. They have different temperaments. That's not true. It's God who made the personalities and temperaments. People of opposite temperaments can walk together in perfect holy unity. Baloney, that's not true. But where there's jealousy and pride and competition, these are the evil things of the spirit. And we allow these things in our life and it jacks us up. And we are not proficient in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you want me to come back tomorrow night? Yes, please. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure if you were sure anymore. That's the end of the sermon. Thank you. Hey, get a grip. Get real tonight. I'm not saying that you're not. I'm just saying... I've learned in my ministry, never take it for granted that everybody in a nice little church cozily tucked away in the hills of Virginia might be saved. I thought I did that 20, 30 years ago. I thought, oh boy, this church, I'm almost embarrassed to preach because they're all saved. Look at them sitting there. Uh -uh. And maybe you all are. But maybe there's somebody here tonight, there's a thorn, there's a pebble in your shoe. Excuse me, I'm sorry. And you're not robbing banks. Uh-uh. 
We're not doing the big stuff that on Mennonite people don't do. But you might be displeasing God. You might be floundering. You might be covering. Stop it. And so if you're here tonight, we're going to have a very, very short invitation. It's going to be really short. The invitation shouldn't be any longer than what it takes you to get up off your seat. Because the invitation started, the Holy Spirit started. You know, wherever the Word of God goes, the Holy Spirit goes. It's never the other way around. That's where our charismatic counterfeits get it all mixed up. That's a big theological thing that i got to explain when I teach pastors in foreign countries. But you understand that here. So wherever the Word goes, the Spirit goes. So when I said Ephesians chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was here. He was here before then. As soon as the first Christian walked in the door, he was here. So the invitation is just very, very short. We're going to maybe sing one verse, maybe two, probably not. So I don't know how you do it, but it doesn't matter. So what I want you to do is if you're here tonight, you're under conviction, you're not feeling comfortable, don't come back there. Am I supposed to go to the back of the church when I'm done preaching? Not really. Okay, sorry about that. Then I won't have to finish that sentence. (laughs) Don't tell me later, I should have responded. Don't say that to me. Because respond. Make it simple. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. I give these people to you. I give myself to you, O God. And during this short little invitation, if you remind me of any sin in my life, God, I want to be the first in line to stand up and repent and say, there is sin in my life. Lord, I pray for everybody here tonight. Maybe there's a 14-year-old, I don't know, 12-year-old, whatever, I don't know. Maybe there's a young person, maybe a grandpa like me, who has some issues in their life that are unsettled. They're not comfortable here tonight. Lord, I give them over to you. Uh, I do not do the convicting. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I, I preach the everlasting gospel. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And he walks through the aisles. And he grabs people by the shirt collar and shakes Father, we're here to do business tonight. Just everlasting gospel, Bible, business. No veneer. We're tired of veneer. We're tired of playing church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So stand to your feet until I notice you. I'm sure you have ministry and counselors here prepped to go. Go get help. Uh, Just get to your feet. And that's a sign saying, hey, I, I need help. That There's an issue in my life. It doesn't have to be a big, black, ugly issue. We tend to make that mistake. Then everybody looks, oh, he must have committed fornication. No, he didn't. He just has a struggle somewhere. If you're struggling, get help. Get help. Is that, is that simple? Are you going to do it? Do it if you're not comfortable. If you're comfortable... Stay sitting. So it's going to be a short invitation. What should we sing? Where is our song leader? Yes, go ahead. Number 235, just as I am. Stand to your feet quickly. One verse.
Anybody? heavenly wow no that verse would be good but just to hear it but tomorrow night's another night shall we stand together and pray the lord's prayer together and you are dismissed come back tomorrow night let's pray our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Blessings.